0: All right, hey folks, so we are back for part two of the January Q&A and this first question is from Bible Bryce. Bryce asks loads of good questions. What he's very good at doing is supporting me on social media. So he shares a lot of my clips that I put on Instagram and he shares a lot of my stories and stuff like that. So I think that's a really nice way of getting my word out to the community. So. If you like what I do, one way to support me without having to spend any money is to support my work on social media platforms. We'll carry on with the first question. So essentially this question is all about rest periods. And so he asks for general strength and hypertrophy, could you compare rest periods, one minute, two minute, three minutes. So I'll just begin a discussion around rest periods in general. And I want to just lay the groundwork for this discussion by talking about what is the current sentiment around rest periods versus what it used to be and this is specifically for hypertrophy I think for strength there's an argument to be made that you should probably rest as long as possible for strength development for hypertrophy I think there's more to the discussion and that's what I'm going to go into now so traditionally for hypertrophy rest periods were quite short so when I first started training Generally, people were encouraged to reduce rest periods down to one minute, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And that was the traditional bodybuilder way of doing things. If you go back to routines from guys like Bob Paris in the 80s, 90s, I think he was, he has huge amounts of volume with very short rest periods, just continuously pumping the muscles with blood. Same with a lot of those guys from that era, just really fast, quick-paced workouts, getting lots of volume in. And... And nowadays, the sentiment has shifted, mostly because people listen to the science on the subject. Even people who don't like science, they insist on listening to the science on certain things which kind of agree with their worldview. And I think that says something which I want to challenge a little bit because I have my own ideas about rest periods. So the common thought process nowadays, if I'm speaking charitably, to steelman man the argument for longer rest periods, I would say that the common way of thinking right now is you need to be ready to do your next set justice, because the next set is the important set, you need to give it your all, you need to be mentally ready, and you need to be fresh to do that set. Also, it's said that there's a safety factor. So if you're not ready, if you're not 100% ready, then it can be more dangerous. So I, however, have a different take. I think, I think, firstly, that viewpoint, um, it undersells what the client is capable of, or it undersells what you guys are capable of. I don't think you're going to fall apart if you have a slightly shorter rest period. So that's the first thing, and on that point, I also think most of you guys could be trained to work on shorter rest periods for hypertrophy because most of the people that we speak to on YouTube, you're not high level athletes. Okay. Your cardiovascular systems, your energy systems could be improved. Work capacity, building work capacity is super important. And so if we agree that building work capacity is super important, but we never actually advocate for more controlled rest periods, then we're being contradictory, we're being hypocritical. Because how else do you build work capacity for an activity? You do that activity a little bit faster or you do more of it. So I think initially that viewpoint that you should just rest as long as you need to, it undersells what the client or viewer is capable of doing. And you'll notice when I speak to my audience, one of the reasons why I attract the type of audience that I attract is I will never speak to you guys like you're idiots. Okay. I always speak to you guys as if you are intelligent, capable human beings, which you are. And that's how I speak to my clients as well, because I have high expectations. So I'm never going to say to you, just take as long as you like for rest periods, ignore your work capacity. I'm going to push you because you are capable of doing more. And let's face it, if you are on YouTube, you are probably someone who needs help. And one of the areas that people need help with is work capacity is effort, is workflow, is working harder. And so rather than just sit here and shout at you and tell you to work harder, I would rather break it down and say, look, this is how you're going to work harder. You're going to actually start to focus on increasing the density of your workouts, reducing the rest periods. So going back to what I was saying, the first point is I think this idea that you should just rest as long as you need, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, I think it undersells the client. Now, the second point is it doesn't take into account the totality of the workout. So it's a little bit short-sighted because it's not just about the next set particularly for hypertrophy, hypertrophy is not just related to your next set. Hypertrophy is related to the totality of the workout and getting good quality workout in throughout the week. If I put some numbers on this, let's say after a hard set of squats, it takes you 10 minutes for 95% recovery, 10 minutes, 10 whole minutes. If you're a strong guy, that's not unreasonable five minutes gives you 90 percent. okay three minutes gives you 80 in that case resting three minutes is a pretty good deal now would i sit there and say no you've got to rest as long as you need to do the next set maximum justice which is like 10 minutes you might have a great next set but how many sets can you do in an hour then before you tap out you've got about six sets in you and if we take into account warm-ups that's a five-set workout. Now, is that going to grow you? Or what would grow you more? Doing those 80% recovered sets every three minutes and getting them in, just bam, getting them in. That's going to cause more hypertrophy in the end because you get more of the effective reps, more of those hard reps, and you're not just sat around. And on top of that, you're also improving your work capacity. You're improving your conditioning. So just to summarize that argument about rest periods, hypertrophy is not just about the next set. It's about the totality of the workout. It's about getting the work in. That's the first thing. And the second point is, I'm never going to undersell my trainees or my clients. I'm always gonna push them to do more. And you can condition yourself to be better. You can improve your work capacity. You can become a better training machine in the gym, but you're never going to do that. If every time you get a bit tired, your coach pats you on the ass and say, it's all right, sit down, just take as long as necessary. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you to work two points. And that's my sort of counter to this idea of resting as long as you need for rest periods. So hopefully that makes sense. And um, I personally feel you should moderate your rest periods so you're able to get good quality sets without being in any danger, but still while getting the majority of work you need to do. And I don't think that's an unreasonable stance. Okay, so next question. This is from Bob V. I do hope Bob V stands for Bob Vance of Vance Refrigeration. That would be amazing. If anybody gets that reference, (laughs) write it down below. Bob says, how are tendons trained for strength and included in a program? Sets, reps, how long to wait after training, elbow tendons before bench pressing, for example. Bob, there's a very simple answer to that. And you said, I've never seen a powerlifting or strongman program with detailed tendons training. You know why you've never seen that, Bob? Because it's not a thing. Nobody does that. You don't need to do that. All you need to do with your tendons is keep them healthy. Now, tendon prehab, that's a different matter, okay? But that's not training the tendons for strength. Tendon prehab, that is things like Alex from Destiny does high rep tricep extensions, which he, I think, got from Louis Simmons originally. That's tendon prehab. That's not tendon strengthening. You have to keep your tendons healthy, but in general, your tendons are always going to be a step ahead of your muscles. So you don't see it because it's not a thing. If you're sat there worried about your tendons, there's either two things going on. One, you're injured. You want to strengthen your tendons. But the reality is your training sucks. Either your routine sucks, the way you train sucks. Basically, you need a coach, Bob. Or the second thing is you're just abnormally paranoid about tendons. I don't know. Perhaps you're going to say it's something else. It's mystery number three, but, um, that's what I would say. You don't see it as part of a structured powerlifting nor strongman program because no powerlifters or strongmen do that because it is already encompassed into your training. As long as you train for strength, your tendons will be trained alongside it. I competed in strength sports for 14 years. Nobody does that. You don't need to train specifically for tendons. Makes no sense. That's why you don't see it, Bob. Next is HN Drums. It says, is the P-Ratio actually legitimate? Does one need to get lean in order to maximize their P-Ratio so more energy skews towards muscle growth versus fat storage? Let me just explain, firstly, what P-Ratio is. So P-Ratio is how your body partitions nutrients. So essentially, Does your body partition nutrients towards muscle or towards fat? And there are a range of things which determine that. So age, training status, diet, stress levels, sleep is a huge one. Levels is a big one. So is it legitimate? And so the idea is that the leaner you are, the more you're going to ratio your nutrients towards muscle growth rather than fat is it legit yes a tricky one i've been back and forth on this so many times okay initially i definitely was convinced it was a thing because i had so many examples of clients all of who have come back up in weight and are more muscular now by far than what they were when they went down originally and it's so dramatic so the rate of muscle gain from being lean is, but equally saying that there are people for whom this doesn't work and as soon as they start to rebound and gain some weight, it all goes back to the stomachs. I have started to think there is another factor involved. I'm going to go out on a limb today for the first time ever on this video. And I'm going to tell you what that is. I believe now the factor is your cardiovascular endurance and let me explain why. I wrote about this briefly in my new book called out of shape, out of look, out of time. And it's this idea that there's such a thing called, this is going to get pretty heavy, but I'll just try and explain it briefly. There's such a thing called the constrained energy hypothesis. And that is this idea that the more cardio you do, the more activity you do, the more the body tries to rebel and create homeostasis. And it just makes you lazy. Now, If you have a very poor cardiovascular system, any stress is going to be much harder to cope with than if your cardiovascular system was better. So in that sense, when these guys who who start to put fat on immediately after they finish a diet, what tends to happen with them is because their cardiovascular systems are just so poor as soon as they reintroduce some calories, their activity levels, their NEAT is still super low. So the body's metabolism just isn't ready to cope with the increased energy demand and they just stay lazy. And as a result, they put on proportionally more fat rather than muscle because they're not able to eat as much. Their rate of weight gain is a lot higher than it would be if they were more cardiovascularly strong. I think the guys with excellent cardiovascular fitness when they do reintroduce food, the body's energy systems upregulate and you develop more neat, have more spontaneous activity. They're more likely to do activity in general. They're more likely to train harder in the gym. They're probably more likely to sleep better too. I think that is actually the missing factor that the Mike Isratel, Brad Schoenfeld, and all those guys haven't yet uncovered based on what I've seen with my clients. So this is one of the reasons why Whenever I get clients to cut now, I always get them to add in some cardio. And I'm very serious about improving their cardiovascular conditioning as they lean down, because I want them to be capable in cardiovascular strength for their rebound and for the cut as well. To answer your question, I think the reason that there's no consensus yet is I believe, strongly believe now there's a missing factor and that missing factor is cardiovascular endurance. You've heard it here first. I wrote a book about it. Okay. Next question by Jake Furs. Hi, if one hard set is claimed to provide 70% of all muscle stimulation for an individual session, what's the justification for higher volumes? Wouldn't it be better to be 70% stimulated, but a hundred percent recovered? <laughs> yeah. So you started off with an, if that's a pretty big, if Jake, <laughs> it's a pretty big, if all I would say, Jake hit is a meme. It's a cult you shouldn't be attached to any one volume level for anything where the hit jedis go wrong is that they believe there is only one way throughout the entire career for everyone every man woman child cat and dog needs to do one set to failure bro trust me bro trust me trust me bro trust me that's the way forward So the claim that one set will provide 70% of the muscle stimulation, it doesn't surprise me that these people say stuff like that because they speak in a very simplistic way. Like everything is this way all the time for everyone. They've given you a very definite figure that in itself should ring some alarm bells. Why is it 70%? Why is it one set? Hit training in general generally tends to appeal to people who don't like complexities. The same type of people who tend to fall for the hit meme also fall for a lot of very obvious conspiracy theories and a lot of conspiratorial type of thinking because they don't like to deal with complexities. They want to boil everything down to one basic thing that they can get behind. And that's not to say these people aren't intelligent in other ways, but they don't like to deal with complexities. You can be intelligent and not enjoy dealing with complexities at the same time. And the one thing which you'll notice is with a lot of these hit guys, it's the same with the diet fad gurus, like the carnivore diets, the keto diet guys, even some of the vegan guys. One thing you would have noticed with a lot of those sort of carnivore, keto entrepreneurs types, you'll notice that during the recent world events, the last few years, most of those guys stopped tweeting about their diet and started tweeting about world conspiracy theories. Now, why is that, do you think? Because hit, like carnivore diets, they're cults, they're cults, which appeal to people who don't like complexities. I've noticed the, uh, there are some biomechanic bros like that as well. The late Doug Bignol, I made a video about him when he was still alive. And the, the negative comments on that video was the most I've ever gotten on any video whatsoever. And it was all very cultish behavior. No one was actually offering a debate. They were all just saying, you're wrong. In fact, I hate you. (laughs) And I never saw him again. So it's the same with the hit guys. Don't be fooled. Why is it just one set? Why is it not two sets? Why is it not three sets? Why is it one set for every man, woman, child? Why is it one set for everyone? You have to start asking these questions. Why is everything so linear? We're basically saying, if that's true then pretty much every high level coach and athlete is just wrong and has been wrong for many decades. So yeah, I think you've started off that question with a big assumption. I know you're just honestly asking questions, so nothing personal with you, Jake, but yeah, don't be fooled by it. And if any of what I said sounded a bit like your personality, that's something to think about as well. Okay. All right. So next. Raphael says, how can I build my chest without using the bench press? I have a shoulder injury and my shoulder hurts if I bench often. Firstly, Raphael, get your shoulder fixed. Rehab your shoulder. I know you like the idea of keeping things simple, hard, basics, but one of the reasons that I provide so much nuanced information is it's not always the right thing to do to keep things simple. If you're in pain now, your strategy for training didn't work somewhere along the way. More than likely, you did a little bit too much barbell centric work, a little bit too many things close to failure, and you didn't listen to the signs of pain. And now you've got a shoulder injury. It does take more complexity. You may need to do an actual full rehab protocol. and Forget about building your chest for a while. So in terms of what I found, which has helped for clients who have shoulder injuries, trying to keep the shoulders tucked, the elbows tucked tends to help quite a lot any kind of incline work needs to be taken out any overhead work needs to be taken out flat bench stuff tends to be better or decline bench stuff tends to be better but the initial insult needs to be given time to calm down this needs a diagnosis it needs a rehab protocol you can still build a good chest without the bench press but it's going to be a lot harder to build a good chest if you're injured that's a different matter altogether. Okay. This needs a lot more investigating. You need to adapt, go around the wall. So you've got to learn new things. Yes, it's possible. But before we get into that conversation, you need a diagnosis and you need a rehab protocol, and then you need a new approach because your previous approach got you hurt. Last question. And I want to end with this one. This one's from a man. His question is, how do you regurgitate the black pill? I feel like everything I do for self-improvement is almost for meta sake. And nothing means anything. This question alone proves the internet has ruined my brain. Yeah, it does. And I agree. I'll say firstly, man, man, there are two terms in that question that if you had asked me a year ago, I would have no idea what they meant. This is how fresh I am. Before I got onto YouTube and I started to interact with you guys, I didn't know what the black pill was. Like I had no idea. I didn't know what meta meant. Like all of these self-improvement gurus, like the current crop that are out, like, I don't know, y- Yakko Willink or something, Andrew Huberman, even Joe Rogan, all those guys, all the, the usual self-improvement bros, I had no idea who these people were. It's only after having got onto YouTube and interacted with you people where people have started to use terms like black pill, red pill, meta. Do I even know what these things are? I never did that when I was growing up. I identified what I needed to improve and I made improvements. Sometimes I didn't. Sometimes my improvements were not on the mark. There were many years where I was slipping backwards and I didn't make improvements, but I didn't listen to people who quite clearly are not out for my best interests. And I think that's where we need to begin this discussion. These people you say who are blackpilling you, these people who are defining the meta, I think you have to understand right from the beginning, they are not there to help you. they are bad actors in this entire thing that's the first thing i think you have to really recognize that when somebody is out there saying you're going to do this one quick tip for great results trust me bro trust me and they've got a million people following them whatever they're not necessarily there to help you i know it sounds obvious but the amount of people who are trying things like l-theanine before bed who don't actually put aside eight hours to sleep and go to sleep on time is amazing the amount of guys who don't know how to lift who don't know how to bulk but who want to try this one quick tip that exercise physiologists are not telling you is astounding so i think the first thing you have to recognize is this quote-unquote meta it doesn't exist these people blackpilling you they're not there to help you It sounds like such a obvious statement, but yeah, they're not there to help you. They don't know you. They don't care about you. They want your attention for the likes. If you had a million subs on YouTube and let's say you did nothing to monetize, like you had no health clinic, no TRT clinic, no supplements to sell, no books to sell, no podcast to be on. If you just lived off YouTube revenue of a million subs with a lot of views, you'd do pretty well. You'd be comfortable that's how much youtube pays you so when people say to me oh he's just trying to help he's doing it for free like he's really not he doesn't give a shit about you not only are these people not out to help you they're out to keep you down they're out to keep you down they don't want you to succeed they don't want you to succeed because then you would no longer be an audience you would be gone you'd be happy you wouldn't be sat at home watching them tell you about L-theanine whatever other bullshit supplement they're trying to sell they don't want you to succeed not only are they not out to help you they actively don't want you to succeed understand that none of what you're doing if you're following those idiots is self improvement it's just masturbation of which apparently you're not supposed to do these days either because that's bad <laughs> Joke. There's this closed loop. I want help. Here's help. It's not helping. It's making you worse. I want help. Here's help. It's not helping. It's making it worse. Around and around it goes until you are here. You're frustrated. You're asking a question of somebody who is actually a genuine person who didn't grow up with all this. You know what I would do for self-improvement? When I was very young, my early twenties, I would do new year's resolutions. I don't do them anymore because nowadays I have a whole plan for the year because I'm a lot more organized. I'm an actual adult now sucks, (laughs) but there you go. But when I was younger, I would sit down with my brothers and we would all do new year's resolutions every year. What does that look like? Okay. I had objectivity. So I had my brothers. You could have friends, you could have people online, look at the areas you want to improve and then figure out some steps towards that goal. Now, the difference between you doing it and these idiots saying, do this, is firstly, the similarities are you both might get it wrong. Those idiots, they're definitely going to get it wrong. You might get it wrong, but you're going to learn. The answers are in experimentation. None of these idiots who are trying to black or have blackpilled you Have your best interests at heart. Try things, experiment. Talk to people who actually care about you. Be friends with people who actually care about you, who give a shit about you. Use them as objective analysis. But ultimately, you are the bottom line. You are in control. Also accept you're not going to get things right. Do you know why I have a reasonable level of confidence now? It's because I've gotten so many things wrong over the years. I'll happily admit it. I'm not perfect. I've had many failures in my life, severe failures, but I've learned from those and it's solidified my path. So, yeah, how do I regurgitate the black pill? Me personally, I've never walked around with my mouth open for the black pill, so I've never needed to regurgitate it. I didn't know what a flat pill was before last year, before I met all you guys on YouTube. And I didn't know what a meta was either before I met all you guys. So I did things myself. I got things wrong, but then so will you. But at least I'm trying to refine my process. Yeah, you've got to switch off from these people. you got to start doing things yourself. Ultimately, you need to drive things forward and have the confidence to say, you are going to get things wrong. I get things wrong. You'll get things wrong. I'll get things wrong in the future. But every time I get things wrong, I also get things right. And I learn. And it solidifies my path. Yeah, I hope that was... I hope that was taken in the spirit it was intended to be delivered. I'm speaking with honest care for you. I don't know who you are but this is a topic which speaks to me because I've always been an educator. It's a responsibility I've shouldered my entire life. It's a responsibility I take seriously. So that's me shooting from the hip. So take that advice, take what's useful, discard what isn't, but ultimately make up your own mind. Folks, I'm gonna call it there and I will speak to you in part three.